Welcome to the Ladies of the Chains Disc Golf Podcast. Hey, a couple things up front here. I just want to say thank you, thank you, thank you. Thank you to all of our listeners. Thank you to all of our supporters this season. It's been a wonderful and fun ride, and I am so excited to continue strong into next season. Secondly, the topic of the week this week is getting better. And there was one thing that I failed to mention in our discussion that I really meant to Based on our recent listener survey and just how I feel too, I think there's a lot of women really, really hungry for more disc golf instruction and especially from other women. So I would love to see more clinics. I know I've mentioned this several times on the podcast, but I'm a music teacher and I don't know how many times I've thought to myself, man, it would be so great if I could have a disc golf teacher like I teach people music. So hey, if you're a pro out there, if you're just someone who is good at disc golf, teach some lessons, throw some clinics. I think that would be fantastic. All right, time to talk ladies disc golf. Hello everyone, I am Becca Kephart and I am very, very excited to be joined in the studio once again by Crispian Paul. Hey. Crispian was on our first episode of the season and it's kind of cool that you are on our last episode Bye. of the season. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks for having me. So this is our season finale, uh, kind of the last official podcast of the season, though I hope to bring some full-length interviews with some uh, FPO players during the off-season. But you can probably hear in my voice, and I think we're all kind of, everybody across the disc golf world right now is, is kind of feeling ready for a little bit of a break. <laughs> yes. It's that time of year. Yeah, I still love disc golf, but boy, howdy, yeah, I'm ready for a little hibernation, little relaxation, and things of that nature. Uh, I wanted to say a Big thank you shout out to everyone who filled out uh, the survey, the listener survey that we have online and who became a new uh, Patreon supporter. We still have a few of those mini swag packs left. So if you're interested in one of those, the easiest way to get one is to just go and fill out our listener survey. Um, or if you become a Patreon supporter, you can get one that way as well. And I, I just want to give a shout out because I'm a Patreon supporter yeah, you and are. you can do it for as little as a couple dollars a month. Um, it's a great thing, actually. Um, the uh, swag pack, this mini <laughs> and this pin in particular are just beautiful. The design is beautiful. Yeah. And so you guys should check them out. Yeah. The shout out to my friend uh, Mel back in Colorado. She's a single mom, really super, super cool lady and obviously a really talented artist. So was really stoked yep, to uh, all I did was say hey draw something in your style and <laughs> that's what she came up with which is really cool and hey I'll tell you just right up here up front um, I have so many thank yous for this season that I don't even want to start because I'm afraid I'm gonna like leave somebody out uh, it's just been an incredible season when I you know started this podcast my full expectation was to have uh, support from our local community here and and just the bigger disc golf community from what I knew of of the community and it's been that and then tenfold and just kind of beyond of really everything I would have ever hoped so if you're listening just thank you thank you thank you thank you to all my co-hosts thank you to everyone who was involved um, it's been a really cool season I just, I'm just I'm yeah, sorry I just it. want to bet in and tell you that I'm really, really proud of you and oh, what you've done. You. Um, my husband's also a disc golfer, obviously, you know that. Yeah. And he and I've talked about, like, it's a pretty it's a pretty big thing that you've done. Yeah, so well, really... and I'm 
thank real you. proud of yeah. you. And I'm real, I mean, I'm, I'm honored and like feel like a little special, like, it's, <laughs> like I'm kind of a big deal just cause well, I get to come. Well, you are a big deal. And you know, no, <laughs> yeah. I mean, seriously, yeah. because of how awesome, you know, you've made this. So just want to put that out there. Well, yeah. I'm real proud of you. Thank you so much. And then, you know, like I said, as tired as I am, I've got big plans for next year. Definitely really excited to keep the train rolling. Uh, so with that, we will start with our first segment, What You Been Discin', where we share one disc golf-related thing we're excited about. So, Crispian, what you got? Um, well, so I haven't been able to play quite as much just yeah. life and whatever has been in the way, but um, I did get to play around with um, the Grandmaster World Champion Tavish Cardiff yeah, for her birthday right um, a couple weekends ago with um, her and her husband, now husband, Fred yeah. Smith and Crazy John Brooks. Yeah. And those are all obviously legends in yeah. their own right. And um, got to play chumps versus champs doubles. Nice. <laughs> so it was me and, me and Fred versus Tavish and John Brooks since Fred, Fred and I are the only ones who don't have world championships. That's and you hilarious. know what? We took them. It was match play. We took them all the way down to the last hole. Nice. So I just want to put that out there. Um, so, yeah, that was really a good time. And, and, and moreover, Tavish is – she's a um, – spiritual you know energy healer and people can say what they want about that but good counsel is good counsel and she's given me some really really good advice um after having to like her and i just kind of struck up a friendship in the last you know six eight months and um she's you know basically taught me the value of being present in my body which is something that's been really hard for me as somebody who you know i have some ptsd i'm sure there's people out there that play disc golf that have that and she's like you're never in your body and i was like I think you're right. And <laughs> suddenly, you know, even though I do meditation, it like hit me like yeah. I needed to make sure I was doing that on the course. So yeah. that's been pretty cool. That's awesome. We had planned for her to be on the podcast and then scheduling things happened and it didn't work out. Oh, so I hope you get her. I do too. Yeah. She's, I mean, she's just such a, she's such a cool person. Yeah. Like I just can't, you know, I have a lot of really, really, really um, strong feelings of admiration for yeah. her for what she's done in her disc golf career and just the kind of person the kind of energy that she tries to like put out I've noticed so for me I am super excited for fall and for fall and winter disc golf something I learned about myself this season <laughs> it is fun I kind of knew this about myself already but this season really affirmed it like I can tolerate cold and cooler weather way better than I can heat like mm-hmm. I played through Same. last winter I played in 20 degrees and I was fine whereas this summer um I think I might just even have like a little bit of sense like extra sensitivity to the sun because mm. uh, on the rounds where it was really sunny or really hot I just it just drained the life out of me oh, and heart. I played like not as well so it's just cool to know because that will influence you know the tournaments that I plan for next season um but the good news is now is like I feel like my time to shine (laughs) it's gotten it's cooled off um and I'm really excited we will take our first break looking for the perfect disc golf disc to take your game to the next level ladies first disc golf makes the disc selection process easy with an inventory of women's friendly discs Ladies First Disc Golf wants to make sure you are looking and feeling great on the course. Jazz up your disc golf wardrobe with a large selection of apparel items for women disc golfers chosen and designed by women's disc golfers. At Ladies First Disc Golf, the ladies always come first. Visit ladiesfirstdiscgolf.com for all of your women's disc golf, disc, apparel, and accessory needs. And we're back with our topic of the week. Something that I've noticed in myself after I had a little bit of a rough tournament a couple weeks ago, and something I also noticed in our listener surveys is I 
kind of feel like we're all wanting to get better, right? Which makes sense because if you're listening to this podcast, you probably care a lot about disc golf and usually, uh, not for everybody, but for a lot of us, we we want to be better than we are currently. And I think that really goes from your you know, novice player all the way up to our, our top pros. There's something about disc golf that attracts that kind of burning desire in ourselves to get better. So I figured, you know, going into the off season, it's a great time to kind of start talking about getting better and uh, ways, concrete ways to do that. So let's start with practice routines. I played the the Midwest Amateur Championship a couple weeks ago, okay. and I was so excited for that tournament, and I played poorly. <laughs> <laughs> I felt like I have just constantly been getting better the last two years I've been playing. I won my first, for the first time at my turn, the tournament before this, yeah. and so when yeah. I got to this tournament, I was like, it'll be fine. And then I went out of bounds twice on the first hole. And like, it was just kind of downhill from there. It rained a bunch. The weather wasn't great. But even outside the weather, I just wasn't throwing good. But I haven't been practicing. Like I did practice the courses once. But earlier in the season, I'd been doing a lot of field work. And then they started construction on the field that I do field work at. And I just totally fell out of my routine. And so I was really like disappointed, but at the same time, I was like, all right, I need to get back into my practice routine. Um, So I was able to do that a little bit this week. Uh, And the first thing I would say uh, before I forget about practice and practice routines, if you really want to get better, there to me is almost nothing better than to video yourself. Um, So I've done that a lot in the past. And granted, you kind of need to know what you're looking for, right? So I've watched a lot of YouTube videos, a lot of Danny Lindahl stuff, um, and kind of got, you know, by watching other pros and his videos, kind of in mind what it should look like and things to do and stuff like that. So I just turned my camera um, around basically and put it on, like prop it up against my bag. And then I have a app called Slow Fast. I'm able to slow it down. Oh, cool. And I was actually really stoked. For one, because after I did a little field work, I started kind of feeling like my old self again. <laughs> like, oh, I can throw a disc better than I have mm-hmm. been. Um, but I, ha- I got off a really good throw. And it was super cool because I was able to go back and look at it. And like halfway through my throw when I paused it, I was like, oh, I'm actually doing the thing. Like Mm. this actually kind of looks right. Like I need to get my hand a little bit more on the outside of the disc. But then it was at like the later part of my throw that like the nose angle flipped a little bit and it helped me realize, oh, okay, so I need to work on kind of my grip and release angle. And it's the end of my throw that's not going as well. So I would have never (laughs) had a clue that that was what was happening if I hadn't done that. So Crispian, do you do, have you done any practice stuff in the past? Are you yes, kind of just yes. random so, about you it? Know, yeah. I'm just going to be really frank. Like, you know, and this is the thing about competition disc golf and getting better mm-hmm. and not getting better and whatever is, you know, if whether you have health problems or not, yeah. which mine is, you know, some health issues or whatever, but you know, whether you have that or not, I think that some people, sometimes you go through periods where you just want to play for fun yeah, and absolutely. that's pretty much what I'm doing right now. Yeah. So I just want to be really frank Definitely. about that up front. Yeah, um, but, you know, I there's some things I really like to do in terms of practice. Um, my main thing with practice is putting. Yeah. Um, I think that that's where 
putting and up shots, you know, and I'll, sure. I'll stand there because I, I have a particular stance right now that I like to take when I'm trying to make Anheuser throws, mm-hmm. for example, that I'll just stand there and, and throw, you know, 15 discs in that, yeah. in that, you know, style, like at a target, a tree or, you know, sometimes over a shed or whatever. So I like to do things like that. So it's really, I take a lot of discs with me, usually some yeah. mids and some putters and do, um, just different kinds of drills. And because yeah. I'm the kind of person I am, I can't do just one thing. I'm just like, okay, I want to yeah. somehow try to work on making a hundred putts, not just throwing a hundred yeah. putts, but making them. And somehow I want to work on upshots and I'll just kind of mix it in Absolutely. however um, feels right. Um, I've been working a lot on forehand, even in my, like for fun yeah. rounds, um, because uh, I've noticed with, I'm have some neuropathy in my hand. So this mm-hmm. is good for anybody who has any neuropathy in their throwing hand. Um, neuropathy means, you know, numbness, tingling, whatever. I mainly just have some loss of sensation in my right hand. So when I'm throwing backhand, I've noticed for putts and things like that and, and upshot or, you know, approach shots, I will especially hang in those shots. I will especially hang onto the disc a little longer because I can't mm-hmm. maneuver my hand the way that I used to. So forehand shots have become a little bit more, um, reliable for me when I get them right. So that I'm just like working on that now instead, yeah. like or mm-hmm. not just that, but like a lot more of that. So, um, I like to do different kinds of drills like that. Just like I said, mainly putts and upshots. And as far as you know, practicing driving, I consider, uh, drive practice, practice rounds. Yeah. Like I consider that drive practice. Sure. <laughs> I know that's, no, I think that's totally you know, fair. like it's because for, again, for someone like me, I have ADD, like yeah. I'd much rather play around and yeah. consider my, be like, Oh, okay. I need to do this drive differently. Let yeah. me try it again. Okay. That's what I'm going to do the next time I encounter said obstacle, Yeah, you know? So, um, mainly it's like I said, putts and up shots. Yeah. Well, and a couple things to your point, it's a really, really good and smart thing to not stay on one thing for too long. Yeah. There was a study a few years ago, and I'm always sharing this with my music students as well, that you might find that, you know, if, let's say you do 100 putts right in a row, that it doesn't necessarily make you better. And it's the same thing for, for pitchers who pitch the same pitch over and over again or for musicians if you practice the same couple measures or passage over and over is that our brains get bored mm. and it's actually far more beneficial to do My brain it is really yeah i know a me lot. Too. Me too. <laughs> <laughs> but it's way more beneficial to have variety so like do one thing for five minutes and then do something else see i got it right this whole time i had no idea (laughs) and also to your point i was kind of the opposite for the first year i just and i think it's totally fair it was really motivating to me to practice drives Mm -hmm. because i just wanted to throw farther i still want to throw farther like i I think it's just super fun it's like yeah you know once you start figuring things out and it's like oh man i can throw that farther than i thought i ever could how much farther can i go Mm -hmm. you know but i didn't practice anything else and you know something Nova said to me once that is so incredibly true that at the intermediate women's level the person who can put it under the basket on their upshots is generally going to be the person who's going to win and that's entirely true because you know I max out right now still about 275 Mm. in most holes and that's when I throw good in Mm -hmm. you know in the direction of the basket Mm -hmm. and don't hit trees so like I yeah I'm all over the place on that yeah (laughs) and what's cool about like my practice area that is open again woohoo um is there's a light pole so I will you know I was doing before I'll do 100 foot up shots for a few minutes Mm -hmm. I'll do 200 foot up shots for a few minutes and then I'll work on drives and you know when everything's clicking when I don't have quite as much going on yeah 
I have space in my life where I can do that for 15 to 20 yep. minutes, you know, three to four days a week. It give, I always feel better after I do it. Um, so fingers crossed the weather will hold and they won't lock me out of my practice area anymore because that was what was crazy too is that when it became less convenient, it mm. was so much harder to work into my day, which makes sense. Mm-hmm. So, all right. So let's talk about practicing courses. And our friend Jenny Sanfilippo um, mm. commented on Facebook on my post about this episode. I really liked what she had to say, so I wanted to share it. So Jenny said, one thing I have done over the last couple of years is play more on the courses that I don't like as much. I tend to like wooded technical short courses because they suit my game better, so would intentionally choose to play at those courses more. I have started to play on more open, windy, and distance-driven courses because of my dogs initially. Shout out to Roscoe and I believe Ellie. They are super cute dogs Wee-wee. on Facebook. Dogs. <laughs> but I recent, but I realized that it forced me to get better at throwing longer distances and playing with the wind. So my advice is to step outside of your comfort zone to improve your overall game. And I think that's really good advice. I think for a lot of us, we probably practice our home course most often just because, again, it's it's the most convenient. Um, and kind of to her point, I'm the opposite. I still like short holes, but I like the more open holes. Same. I'm like, God bless you, Jenny, because yeah. you're such a better disc golfer I than, will, I, than I am. But I will tell so. you what, like practicing for the Mac in Smithville and having to navigate some mm-hmm. more wooded holes, I tell you what, what I... F- the first like time and then the second time I actually hit my line, like something clicked. I'm like, oh, this is why people like wooded disc golf. Because like watching your disc actually like navigate the trees on the line you met is amazing. Getting kicked into horrible, horrible shrubbery and things that try to bite your legs and not let you go, like let you go is not as fun, I will say. But <laughs> I finally clicked. I was like, okay, I kinda get this now. So it kind of was motivating to me to like start seeking out some variety so a story liz was telling me about somebody she played with recently they were like amazing i guess on their home course but then when they got to this tournament they were really really sad and confused about why they were playing so poorly because Mm -hmm. you know they realized oh my gosh i've been practicing this one particular course and not necessarily my shots so i'm confronted with something different and i don't know what to do so um First of all, shout out to Jenny. Hey, girl. Hey. (laughs) You know, I feel her. I try, again, because I'm playing for fun, but even when I wasn't, I try to play courses that aren't by my house, like when I have the time and when I can. And like, you know, Matt and I, if we have time together, we'll travel. My husband and I will travel. He's a grocery store manager, so he never has weekends off. So whenever we are able to get together, we'll travel places and, you know, 30, 45 minutes an hour away to play if you can't get off your home course, um, play your home course, the one that's closest to you. And if you're playing around, if you want to play the shots, you would normally play fine. But if there's a throw that you're, or or a lie that you're like, hmm, let me try throwing forehand now. Um, Let me try throwing a big old sky hyzer. Let me, you know, I actually did that today. Um, My husband and I played and I was like, what do you think, babe? Normally I wouldn't have done it. You know, try to do a, a throw that you wouldn't normally yeah. do to see what you can execute. I think that's another way to mix it up. Definitely. And when, to, you know, time's a factor. And, and to your point, not all of us live in Wisconsin or Kansas City where we have I know. access well, to and all that's, of these That is a good point, too. Yeah. yeah. Where, you know, a lot of people I know, I thought about, like, places where I have friends yeah. that live certain places. And I'm like, oh, my God. 
they have one disc golf course yeah. or two disc golf courses within right. an hour. And we have 30, you know, I mean, we're, yeah. yeah, we're lucky. So, yeah. And shout out to MK, Michael Kruger. Uh, something I like that, that guy. He, he's, <laughs> I do too. And super duper shout out because he's running a PDGA league over the winter. That yes. was like my favorite thing yeah. in the world last year. And I called my disc golf boot camp and I can't wait to do it again. But something he does with his league are safari holes. And that's another way that you can get a little more bang for your buck. If you just have one local course that you can get to is play from the wrong tee pad to a different basket find a way to you know add Still variety you all, yeah. <laughs> yes that's a really safety first for sure and then what i would say when it comes to practicing courses for tournaments um there's a lot of different thought about that uh for me where i'm at right now i don't keep score usually Sometimes I do, but usually I don't keep score if I'm practicing a course that I'm going to play a tournament on just because I don't want to necessarily have concrete expectations, either good or bad. All right. Next topic is mental outlook. And uh, if you haven't listened to it yet, go back and check out our anxiety and the mental game episode from earlier this season because it addresses a lot of issues when it comes to uh, the mental game. (laughs) That's why it's in the title. (laughs) I was there. And shout out to you, Crispian, (laughs) and our friend Liz, because that was the second most listened to episode this season. That's cool. Number one episode which I think is super cool with Cynthia Ricciotti and Ava Meyer. So yeah, our, our juniors episode that we did it, with, uh, it. yeah. That's, yeah. So Amy man, Crow and I love both those girls. Yeah. And, Amy Crow and Lupe were on that episode. Oh, it yeah, was a awesome. really good one talking about juniors golf. And I just think it's really yeah, neat because yeah, there are rising stars and it's fantastic. Mm-hmm. Anyway. Uh, so Jen on Facebook gave us a little thing about mental outlook that I wanted to start with because boy howdy do I relate to this after my tournament a couple weeks ago. So Jen says, for me I've noticed that it's all about the power of positivity and believing in yourself when you go to make that putter shot. If I let any doubt slip into my head during my throw then I'm likely to miss it, unless I get lucky. (laughs) It's ridiculous to think that all it takes is confidence or affirmation but after learning the mechanics of putting I found that all I need is to remember I can do it. I learned this from reading Zen and the Art of Disc Golf. Huge help in all my rounds. Okay, so first thing that's really hilarious about this, at work last last Christmas, so not this year, Christmas 2017, my secret Santa got me Zen and the Art of Disc Golf, nice. and it has sat on my table for 10 months, and I haven't read no, it No, yeah, I've read bits and pieces of it, and that's <laughs> yeah. about it. So, so I mean, right there, I'm right I was there stoked that, that Jen made that comment, because I'm like, hey, that's a good off-season project for mm-hmm. me to finally read that book that my coworker was so yeah, like, kind, kind to buy me. <laughs> but this definitely was the story, I feel like, of my round or my three rounds in that last tournament because I just couldn't get comfortable. Like literally once I went out of bounds twice and it was like, I usually make those shots and everything feels weird on the tee and I just don't know anymore. And I tried to talk myself out of it, but I could not get my confidence you, you back. Went, you went on tilt as my husband would say, you know, um, you know, and I think that's a pretty accurate way to, I'm leaning my yeah. body. Yeah. You can see it right now, but I'm leaning my body to yeah. the side. You know, totally. it's a pretty accurate way, I think, of saying, like, you know, and I've done it. And I yeah. I was played with my husband earlier today, and he wasn't having the greatest round in the world. And I wouldn't say he went on tilt, but I was, like, had thought of that to yeah. myself about how you can almost trick yourself into having a bad round. Yeah. <laughs> so, funny story. 
you said you forget, you know, like you worry about that you're going to forget right. to, you know, right. know how to do things or whatever, you know, that she says she has to remember all she needs to do is remember she can do it. I had a moment on the way here because I have driving anxiety at night where I thought I didn't remember how to drive anymore. Right. And I've been, I'm almost <laughs> right. 40 years old. I've been driving for a long freaking time. And so I just want to put that out there that like sometimes, you know, you can just, you can somehow talk yourself into self-doubt. Yeah. And so, you know, to her point, um, it's good to know, okay, I know I'm going to make this. I'm going to make it. I've made right. these putts a thousand times. On the flip side, if you don't make it, you also, again, Zen in the Art of Disc Golf, yeah. meditation, all that will tell you is you need to then go, that just happened. Literally let that move on like yeah. leaves floating down a stream because that is also, you're not always going to know that you make them all and then make them all. The other side to that, flip side to that pancake is you also got to be like, all right. Yeah. And then just keep on walking. <laughs> and it's so much, you know, it's just disc golf and sports that I have had tournament rounds where I just step up and I know with every fiber of my being that I'm going to make the putt. Oh, I've had, yeah. Like, in it, I knew I was going to I make don't know where moment. it came from. <laughs> yeah, like, it's nothing that I can necessarily harness. It's situational, mm. you know, and it's just like this weird, and I've had that my whole life with sports and other mm-hmm. things. Like, you just feel you just it feel in that it. moment. Yeah, and like, it. you can't necessarily, I don't know, I can't like magically conjure that up. It just happens sometimes. Um, I wish, man, I wish I could remember who it was, whoever it was on Facebook. I think it was the disc golf for women. I'm almost positive. It was in that group, uh, talked about how they approach every new hole, like a Christmas present. And I awesome. Love, I love that. I know. Isn't that I the best? That. Or just like a birthday gift yeah. or whatever. Like, cause at the yes. end of the day, like even through the rough, I mean, man, we had like four inches of rain the yep. last round yep. of that tournament. But even through all that, like, I still love disc golf. Mm-hmm. I'm still playing. And like, every new hole is an opportunity to throw good yep. and to enjoy the game. Yep. Um, to see a caterpillar. To yes. I, I swear to God, it sounds oh, random. No, 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 but no. I saw the coolest caterpillar. See, okay, I saw one today. <laughs> so... You know, that's, yeah. I mean, that's the thing about experiencing life fully right. and richly. And, and I know that that's what we're talking today about. Yeah. It's like mental, mental aspect. Like I may be a kind of crappy disc golfer right now, but like, I'm like, oh my God, I saw the coolest caterpillar today. And oh, I had a really awesome drive yeah. that went way farther on a hole than I've ever thrown. Totally. Now I may have taken a five on it. Right. But, you know, I mean, so just like you said, experiencing it fully and like that's that's a brand new thing. Something I encourage my students to do all the time when they perform, like every kid, adult, whoever I teach before a performance, I pretty much straight tell them like they always are so worried about messing up. And I'm like, you're going to mess up. Just so you know, I have played perfectly probably zero times in my entire life. I'm really good at covering my mistakes because I've practiced covering Mm -hmm. my mistakes, right? But what a better way to enjoy life than to focus on the things you did right. Mm -hmm. Because for me as a teacher, I get super stoked when that student, you know, who's only been learning for so long or maybe was struggling with something when they get get up there on stage and they nail it 80%. Mm-hmm. I am so stoked. It's like, mm-hmm. dude, you like did a thing. Yeah. This is so cool. None of us are perfect. Right. Um, and if we get an 80% right thing, we should celebrate that. Yeah. <laughs> like, <laughs> well, we should celebrate it all. <laughs> but, you know, like, if if we're playing a game of disc golf and we have a hole where we get a five, but we're like, man, my drive was awesome. Right. right. And, I, and, I was able to, and I was able to scramble yes. for a five. Yes. Like, whatever it is, just be super yeah. happy about it. Because that's, 
I don't, Tavish yeah. said to me, I said something about playing disc golf for fun. She's like, yeah, it should always be for fun. Yeah. And it just, yeah. you know, it just reinforced like that, you know, Absolutely. which is hard, you know, when you're competing, it can be, really, it's intense to compete. Yeah. It's intense it to is. compete. Like Absolutely. everybody's quiet. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, even, even normally loud people are like more quiet. Yeah. It's just a different thing. Absolutely. Um, so, you know, yeah. And it's all relative. You know, that's the other thing that I kept reminding myself last weekend that, the rated rounds I had that I was really upset about, I would have been super stoked about a year and a half ago. And that is the reality of it that as you get better, it is always going to be in perspective of where you're currently at. And it's really hard to sometimes remember, okay. <laughs> and like even the top pros will have terrible rounds that are 100 points below their rating. I mean, it happens all the time. For sure. And uh, I can't tell you, like, again, how good it felt to just go throw again after that terrible tournament and be like, okay, mm. I can still do the thing. We'll figure it out. And I think, again, part of why I feel kind of like I'm struggling a little bit right now, too, is just because I do know more. I'm more in my head and I'm in that process now of trying to apply all this stuff I know and it's mm -hmm. not there yet. And yeah. when you're trying to add things, sometimes it, get wor it gets worse before it gets better. Or just even like tweak or yeah. even like mental changes, mm -hmm. I think, can, you mm -hmm. know, um, like... You know, I I promised somebody that I would start taking deep breaths before I throw, right. and it was I started like throwing stuff on the ground a little more, right. and I'm like, she's you know, it's normal, it's gonna, you know, it's amazing how change that we make is so incremental, yeah. And even if we're not getting that much better, like I mean, you mentioned aging and things like that, and I think yeah. there's other things like I have I have at least a couple of friends who play disc golf and they play so infrequently, but when yeah. they play it, they love it, right? And so they're truly just playing for the love of the game, and so they're not necessarily ever going to get better. And I just think it's so cool that 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 that's still that's the great absolutely. thing about disc golf is that like absolutely honestly, if you like the sport, whether you're competing or not, whether you're trying to quote unquote get better or not, right? Like you're getting better just by virtue of playing disc golf yeah like, yeah <laughs> and that's the coolest thing about For it real. Well, and, and <laughs> i sound like i sound like the dude right now yeah. <laughs> waxing poetic <laughs> on disc golf but <laughs> and also with that it's really okay though to feel crappy about it sometimes yeah. like that don't feel guilt or shame if you feel crappy about a day of disc golf because like that's that. okay everybody <laughs> feels terrible you know, generally after bad shots, like even when we laugh it off, I don't really know anybody who's like, yay, I hit the tree five feet in front of me. Disc golf's the best. Or like when you're throwing from a thorn bush that won't let you go. It's, you know, nobody's like, yay. <laughs> Unless you're super sadistic, which maybe we all are as disc golfers. I don't know. <laughs> oh my goodness. Anyway. We're going to take a quick break, and when we come back, uh, got a nice little seven-minute pep talk recorded from Nova. I do apologize in advance. The audio quality is not as good as I would have liked. I was having some technical difficulties on our phone call, um, but she's got some great things to say, so I really encourage you to listen and check it out. We'll be right back. Hey, Becca. Hey, um, everybody out there on podcast land. Uh, this is uh, Nova Polite. I'm here to do a clinic uh, via radio, which is the most effective way to do a clinic. But let's dig in. Um, first off, I'm going to start out with know what you want. Um, so before we go anywhere, people play disc golf 
for a lot of reasons with a lot of goals and are satisfied with different levels of proficiency. So if anything I say in the next couple of minutes doesn't resonate with you or it sounds like too much effort, you're still a great person and I still like you, whoever you are. Some of what I'm going to say applies to everybody. Some of this is for people who want to learn to compete. And some of this is for people who want to compete better. So if something I say here isn't a good fit for you, you're probably right. And that's okay. So let's do it. Okay, first off, put that stuff down. A disc golf throw is an athletic motion that uses your entire body. If you try to throw with a handful of discs in your other hand while you're standing on your dog's leash with a string bag slung over one shoulder while you're balancing a beer under your elbow, you're not going to throw as well as you could if you were unencumbered. Okay, new topic. Don't quit. When things are going wrong, and they will because we're people and things go wrong, you can quit and not get better, or you can shut down mentally and not get better, or you can really lean into the situation and learn something from it. Chew that sore on the inside of your cheek until it tastes good. Bite down on the aluminum foil. It's going to hurt, but it's going gonna, it's gonna to feel good when you get better. And how do you do this? You always be analyzing. When a throw goes wrong, don't just, don't just curse and walk away and try and forget it happened. Look at how the throw went and figure out why it did that. And the next time that you're going to make that same throw, you make a correction. Did it work? Well, good. Congratulations. You learned. Did it work sort of? Well, that's not bad. Increase the adjustment. You're getting there. And if your correction did not work at all, maybe, maybe that throw just isn't working today. Work around it. Do something else. Um, I had a round um, this last tournament. Um, could not hit a putt from about 10 feet to 20 feet to save my life. Don't know why. Um, started parking all my upshots. Didn't have to putt anymore. Did better second round. I'm just saying, sometimes you just got to take a throw out of your kit for a little while and fix it. Again, always be analyzing. Analyze the hole in front of you when you step up to the tee pad. Can you get a birdie here? Is it within the realm of possibility for you, the distance, the difficulty, the terrain? If you can, go for it. If you think you can, but you're not sure, well, then if you're feeling great, go for it. And if you're feeling a little shaky, then don't go for it. And if no, if it's just too far, if it's too hard, if it, it's just something you can't reach, you throw 300-foot drives and it's a 400-foot hole, then don't go for it. Don't throw a maximum full-power drive and try and throw 400 feet when your limit is 300 feet because you're not going to magic up 100 feet right there on the spot. What you're going to do is you're going to throw wildly and out of control. And you're going to hit the trees. You're going to go OB. You're going to hit that dumb branch 10 feet off the tee pad. You're going to hurt yourself as far as your score goes, and you might hurt yourself physically if you go flying off the end of the tee pad. If it's out of reach, don't try to get there. There's no point. Except that it's out of reach, cut the hole into chunks. Take a nice control drive, put it right in the fairway, and you're looking at a 100-foot upshot, tap in, you get your three, which is all the best. That's all the better you were going to do anyway. Get your three. Third part of analyze everything, analyze the wind. Now, 
skip ahead about a minute and a half if you live in a place where the wind doesn't blow. Everybody else, listen up. On every single throw, you got to know what the wind's doing. And you must tell yourself what the wind is doing. You can't just look up and see the leaves flying by and go, okay, yeah, wind, sure, whatever. You really have to internalize it and factor it into the throw you plan to make. So you got to tell yourself, you just got to feel the wind, whether you're feeling it with your skin, whether you can see objects blowing in the wind, whether you drop a little bit of grass. Tell yourself, is this a headwind or a tailwind? Is it blowing from the left or from the right? Is it steady or is it gusty? And then you have to add this knowledge to the disc you select and the line you choose so that your throw is effective. And more importantly, you need to use this wind knowledge to know where you want to land on the green if you're approaching the green because you want to set up for a putt with the wind at your back when you're facing the basket. Because if the wind is off to one side or the other and your disc tips up a little left, a little right, wind gets under it, blows away. You're putting into a headwind, you get a little bit nose up, disc lifts up, goes over the basket, goes 30 feet away and you're in a worse spot. So on a really, really windy day, plan your upshots so that the wind is at your back. News action, be your own best caddy. If you don't have a caddy, then you have to do it yourself. And I'm not talking about carrying your stuff. That's what a stevedore does. I'm talking about being your own analyst, your own therapist, your own emotional support animal, your own meteorologist, your own sports physiologist, and your own nutritionist. If you're not doing all of these roles for yourself, you're playing shorthanded and you're playing at a disadvantage against the people who have someone there doing it for them or against the people who are doing this for themselves. What this means is I want you to talk to yourself and I want you to say nice things. If you chin a putt, you throw it and it hits the face mask. You need to be an emotional support animal for yourself and tell yourself, don't be okay. Don't be mad. Just a putt. And you need to be an analyst and tell yourself you didn't follow through on that putt. So it was low and weak. Next time you step up to putt, you need to gently remind yourself, okay, killer. Remember, don't be lazy. Don't be all stiff-armed. Follow through. Straighten that arm out. Lift your chin up high. You can do it. And if your caddy says mean things to you, like, that was stupid, or what the hell, I know you can do better, or, oh, come on now, or why do you even play disc golf? You would fire that caddy, right? You would fire them and send them away. I hope. If you wouldn't fire that caddy, um, get help. Don't tolerate this behavior when you are your own caddy. We all make mistakes. We shouldn't be beating ourselves up over it. Go watch some YouTube videos of the touring pros playing tournament rounds, and you'll see plenty of mistakes. A mistake doesn't mean you're a worthless loser, so knock that off. And be you're a sports physiologist. You got to make sure, use a video game term, make sure that like your snack meter and your water meter don't get too low. Take a sip of water on every tea pad. Uh, munch whatever your favorite snack is. If your energy levels get low, snack up. If there's a backup in a tournament, I want you to turn that backup into a snack up. And when it's about time to throw, do some full power towel rips to get loose again. Don't distract anybody but find a spot and just loosen that arm up again, especially if it was a long backup. New topic. This is for good. This is for the over the winter. I want you to learn all the throws. 
If you think you know every way there is to throw a disc, go watch some uh, ultimate videos on YouTube and then come back and report back and tell me what you found. Because if you're still feeling pretty good about that ses assessment, then you're not my audience. The rest of you listen up. There was a time when a player could be mostly forehand or mostly backhand on the tour and still compete at the highest levels. But that time is ending, or perhaps it has already ended. The necessity to throw all sorts of throws is filtering down as well. So you may as well get ahead of the curve now. If you're primarily a backhander or primarily a forehander or solely one or the other, learn the other one this winter. At first, once you start to get a handle on it, it's going to be just sort of an emergency. Well, nothing else is going to work here, throw. And it won't be pretty, but it'll get you out of trouble. That's fine. That's how it starts. Build confidence. Keep at it until you can walk up to a tee pad and feel equally good throwing from either side. And you can make a tactical decision to pick one or the other, depending on the shot shape you want and what the wind is doing. That's a callback. And then learn all the other throws, too. Learn rollers, learn tomahawks, learn grenades, learn thumbers, learn pancakes, learn big germs pterodactyl wing, even though in the video he says you should never throw it. Because the day you're standing with a 50-foot elm right in your face, and the only way to the basket is over it, you are going to be stoked to have the ability to lean back and drop a thumber on the basket if you've got that in your arsenal. And last thing... In the wintertime, when it gets wet and slick and cold, this down, especially if you're not playing a lot of tournaments over the winter, if you're in a place where winter is a thing, um, just take all the high-speed drivers out of your bag and just spend the whole winter playing with your putters, your mids, and your fairway drivers. And then I guarantee when the sun comes back out in the spring, those distance drivers are going to go so much farther and so much better for you. Back to you, Becca. And we're back with listener questions. We've got a few questions that were emailed to me by Hans. Shout out to Hans, supporter of the show. Thank you, Hans. So Hans asks, in the last podcast, having the USWDGC in the same place at the same time every year was mentioned several times. In your opinion, where is a good course for that? And I haven't traveled a ton, so I don't feel like I'm necessarily the authority on this. But obviously, I'm going to say Kansas City would be good. <laughs> um, <laughs> we, we have hosted lots of world events. Yes. So, yeah. We're very centrally located. We have a growing FPO field. We do. Um, and that would be really, really neat. But I'm not one of them. <laughs> <laughs> Me neither. Oh, my gosh. I want to be. <laughs> yeah. Like, I already, through just two years, have accumulated so much disc golf stuff yeah. that the idea of just playing for cash at every tournament sounds glorious. <laughs> like, <laughs> like, I'm not going hey to gonna cash. turn down <laughs> any player packs. But... Hey, when you turn 40, you want to start I, playing oh, open? That, seriously, when I started disc golf, I... Like when I came back to it, I was like, oh my gosh, I am so excited about approaching 40 now oh because once gosh. I turned 40, I could turn pro. I could be a professional athlete in my 40s. Anyway, <laughs> um, but yeah, I think anywhere that has, you know, multiple courses close to each other that is uh, maybe centrally-ish located in the country would be really good um, because then you're just going to get a bigger draw of FPO players from the region. Like what we saw this year um, up in Michigan huge field but we, there's also a ton of of women players in michigan and the surrounding areas which is awesome um so it was 
a relatively easy trip for a lot of women mm-hmm. to make. So somewhere that can be like that. Next question from Hans. <laughs> I'm watching the Jomez round one coverage. I noticed the several galleries I saw were 100% men. Of course, a few women may have been off camera, and I'm sure some were volunteering, and obviously there were many divisions of women playing at the same time. But I still felt like it was very interesting. Is it the case right now that most women interested in disc golf are interested in playing, not spectating? As in, if they were going to travel, is it to play and not watch? I think that's probably generally true, but that's kind of true of, of disc golf as a whole right now. We don't have a lot of disc golf fans that don't play that are just into it. Like, I love the NBA. I don't play basketball anymore, but I do watch basketball. And I don't know how many of those types of fans and spectators that we have in disc golf. We have some, but I don't think it's huge. But the sport's just maybe not quite there yet. I mean, break it down this way. The audience for disc golf in general Mm -hmm. is smaller Mm -hmm. for women. Mm -hmm. So um, absolutely, when you see men spectating, they make up such a larger portion (laughs) that those guys can alternate who's competing any given weekend and there's still be a men's gallery. For women, there's, I mean, there's so few of us like... Right. I'm either spectating or playing or spotting. Right. If I'm quite frankly, I'm very rarely am I spectating. That's the other thing is I'm probably spotting. So I'm spectating in that form. So I think that it has, it's a numbers issue. Yeah. (laughs) Something that I know, like Steve Dodge said earlier in the season and other people I've spoken to throughout the season have said that really rang true for me is that we need to continue to connect players like personal stories to people because if you think about like ESPN Mm -hmm. and like sports media there's always like the Olympics right like there's this big laugh story about oh the players from Tonga yeah you know but just like getting more continuing that like personal interaction Mm -hmm. with our professional players is gonna help um probably drive you know some people like as as the video grows and and all of that and the coverage like it's awesome that we have um full round coverage now it's awesome that we have women commentating and i think kind of the next step is to have more interviews with women and more video of just like here's the life story of this fpo player um and like they, you know, they did that with the Pro Tour a bit this year doing Circle Zero and stuff like that. But I think kind of taking that to the next level, like um, stuff that Tina Oakley's been doing mm-hmm. uh, with the kind of disc golf life stuff she did with AJ Risley and Zach Melton. Um, I think that kind of thing is going to continue to help drive spectators. And the thing they did there was that that was such a co-ed affair yeah. that that's what brought in the dudes. Yes. I hate to say it, but that, I mean, it did. <laughs> right. And so I think if they, like you're talking about interviews and life stories and all that. And I think if there was like a, if there was a better meld where women, not, not because women specific events exist for a reason. They have to, that's what drives women yeah. right now. Because there are a lot of women we've talked about in the past, like that won't, that are new or whatever. Yeah. Um, but you know, to be able to maybe meld some mm-hmm. of those things with the co like the, instead of it just being women's coverage, Absolutely. it's just coverage of oh, awesome yeah. disc golfers. Like the yeah. more that we do that, mm-hmm. the more the support is then going to come back oh, in, totally in my agree. opinion. In terms no, and I totally agree. I mean, that's women. And that's, so that's the great thing Absolutely. about having allies, yeah. like just like in general population right now, yeah. having allies with men is a great mm-hmm. thing because Definitely. it helps, helps us all. 
Yeah, and, and we've seen flashes of that today. Like, this will be a nice little segue into our next section. Cool. Uh, doing some FPO wrap-up here, yeah. but the Disc Golf Pro Tour Championship finished up today, mm. and it was fantastic. Um, and it was not necessarily, yes, it was the women's round in the, in earlier and then the men's round later, but just hanging out in the YouTube chat, um, the amount of viewers, there was a little bit more parody, I felt like, than usual. Um, and it just very much felt like we were watching really, really awesome golf, because we were. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and uh, the women put on a really good show all weekend. And, you know, with that, so let, let's talk about that, because that was something, as far as I know, has never happened before, that we had six hours of live women's coverage yes. on Friday, and we had three hours of the finals live coverage awesome. today. And I, for one, am a huge fan of live disc golf. I know it takes longer, but there is something about seeing it happen real time that resonates with me more than the post-produced stuff. I like mm. the post-produced stuff. I watch it. I understand that it's you know it's a much quicker watch. Uh, the video quality is going to be a little bit better, Packaged. but. I love people. I love community. Getting to experience that, you know, with people is is the best. Um, but yeah, how about that? We had, and I don't, I don't know what the views topped out at um, today on the FPO coverage, but it was an amazing round. So I don't know if you got to see it. You probably didn't because you no, were you were doing stuff. I've been busy. So yeah. let me tell you because it was so cool. <laughs> so uh, final four. We've got Jessica Weiss, Paige Birkus, Katrina Allen, and Sarah Hokum. And fourth place is guaranteed $1,000, and it goes on up from there. So that's pretty awesome. Yeah. Because Paige Birkus had, like, the worst day of disc golf ever. Oh, no. I know. And, I mean, we all know Paige to be amazing and wonderful. And cool and, and, and just calm the and best. And yeah. she was. You know, she's on the live coverage. Mm-hmm. She's still smiling. She's good for her. still going after it, yeah. going after shots, good for her. having a good time. But I think it's really funny because it's like, I would love to have a terrible day of disc golf and walk away with $1,000. That sounds pretty good because she, she had a great day on Friday. So today was maybe yeah. not as good, but she still got $1,000. My great. mind just went through like, how can I play disc golf and make $1,000 all right. on the same day? Is there any way in my life that I could have? And it well, doesn't even have to be disc golf related. Like, can you, I go like, <laughs> sell some of my stuff? Or <laughs> It helps if, if, if you can throw really, really oh, okay, far and win a and win a world championship. Man, that's awesome. And then, yeah. I mean, good for her. So she did great. Yeah. And then uh, Jessica Weiss, Jay Weezy, I love watching her play. She's so good. She's real versatile. She had, oh my gosh, yeah. She had a great round yet on uh, Friday. And then today she was like in it and then kind of fell off a little bit. But she still had some good stuff, but she okay. was very securely in third place. Okay, so Katrina Allen is like in the driver's seat and playing really well. Okay. Sarah Hokum is a little bit more roller coastery, getting a few more birdies, but a few more bogeys than okay. Katrina. So Katrina is like, I think she was three under through the front nine, and Hokum was like two under thereabouts. Um, I don't remember how like all those details happened, but Katrina was playing awesome. Katrina made one mistake, like literally. You know what? Boring golf is awesome. <laughs> like people don't people really discount. Oh, but wait, there's more. Oh, Because it would seem boring. Oh, shoot. But just you wait. Oh, snap. <laughs> so Katrina Allen makes 
one single mistake, which boy did I have feels because it looked a lot like my shot that went out of bounds oh, a couple no. weeks ago. <laughs> so it was really windy, man. And yeah, again, I am nowhere near the player Katrina Allen is, but I was like, boy, does that look familiar. <laughs> so on her upshot on this difficult par five, she goes OB. Takes a bogey. Her only bogey of the day. It okay. was one that's mistake. Im- that's really impressive. Hokum right gets there. the birdie. Hokum <laughs> gets the birdie. Okay. And uh, then they go into the next hole. Hokum gets the birdie. Katrina gets the par. They're tied at this point. Or no, 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 no. no. Crazy. I think at this point, Hokum is ahead by one. Then they go to this like tight tunnel shot kind of through the woods. And... Katrina, I believe, gets the par. Hokum goes way off in the woods, but makes a really, like, the best op shot you could possibly make, but she still ends up with the bogey, and they're tied. Okay. Okay, hole 17 is another, (laughs) I mean, this course is tough. Like, as much as I said Paige Burkus had a bad day, I would have gotten, like, three times the score she got. Like, there's a lot of OB, a lot of tricky stuff. So basically on hole 17, there's like this layup zone and then this area where you can go for it. Mm-hmm. And Kat does cat things and has this incredible drive. She also had an incredible roller on hole 16. You need to go watch it right now if you haven't watched it because it's incredible. But anyway, hole 17, I think it was hole 16 that she had the roller on. Um, but hole 17, she, Kat, beautiful drive. Sarah lays up. Sarah, to get to the basket, has like a backhand hyzer shot lined up right and so dixon and cherry are talking about oh i think she's gonna throw the backhand here because obviously sarah's known as a forehand player mm-hmm. but i've seen her make a billion yeah, awesome backhand yeah, shots sure. this yeah, season especially here. right she parks her backhand up shot awesome okay hole 18 par five stupid difficult mandos trees crazy 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 distance oh yeah yeah, it's par five. I mean, it's well, like yeah, I just wasn't sure I'm trying to like remember how far short it is. Short par five, but it's, or like it's, a... like, it's basically the Mandos force you into some shots. So, you, like, even the dudes can't like go for eagle on this mm-hmm. thing because it's just super fun. Hard. Okay, yeah, <laughs> and so billion, <laughs> billion trees. Because I'm not playing as fun. <laughs> I'm pretty sure Katrina threw a roller off the tee. I mean, she's got the best women's mm-hmm. roller roller in the women's game. Mm-hmm. But anyway, Katrina plays it good enough. Katrina is set up where she can she's about 100 feet let's say from the hole thereabouts for her birdie okay hokum it's a good forehand hole i think she goes she goes forehand forehand and on her third shot 250 maybe a little farther like the most perfect flex shot you will ever see she's 16 feet from the pin for birdie which is like no one else got a birdie today and so you know Katrina got her her easy par pressure on Hokum to make her 16 foot putt. Mm-hmm. She does gets the bird wins by one. It was amazing. Like, it wow, was like I'm all suspense. Out drama right llama now. man. Like it was, <laughs> it was a really fun round. Wow. You know everybody was into it, thinking, man, are we gonna go to a playoff? And like I said, like Katrina made one mistake. Yeah, she just Hokum just executed perfectly like there's nothing you can do about that at that point it's it's so interesting to watch people play like that like people who play more conservatively or safer versus people who are maybe like a little you know more up and down like you said today. it's just so interesting because anything can happen right like boring golf is great like my husband plays a lot of boring golf and people (laughs) say that to him and he's like finally learning to take that as a compliment they're like you know then there's these people who are like he tells me about guys that he plays with you're like Dude, he like 
blows past the basket because he goes for, you know, 100 foot right. putts. But then I see him like park, you know, right. 300 foot over a tree. You know, yeah. it's just it's just really interesting to watch. Yeah. And I didn't even tell you different about game styles. The semifinals where Paige Pierce shot a three under and did not have one of the top four scores. That's, Isn't that crazy? Yeah, I mean that says yeah, like, that says something. For yeah, two five hundred. Well, the, two, for the field, really. Absolutely. That's just it, it was right it was really cool to see, and that's man, it's the best when you know we have so many women do well. Yeah, and it's not that you beat yourself; you just you just got beat by somebody who exactly. played better that day. Well, it goes to the mentality of you're playing the course, you're not playing against somebody. Yeah. So yeah, if you're like if you had a really great round and somebody else just happens to have a really great round, and it's yeah, yeah. All right, Crispy, and I think we've made it. We've Woo, made it to the end it. of the show. High five. The end of the season. High five. Woo-hoo. All right. I obviously can probably you, not talk anymore. Job. You good job, Crispy. <laughs> All right. Any shout outs before we get out of here? Um, you know, since it's the end of the season, um, I'll give a shout out to, of course, Team Ace, because I got mm-hmm. two. Um, but I really want to give a shout out to our local um, maven of Kansas yes, City Women's Disc please. Golf, Rhonda Crosby, um, Kansas City Disc Golf Divas, um, her husband, Men Crosby, yes. um, you know, to um, Amy Crow, to yes. the Diva Fiva committee that's coming up, Sammy yeah. Crow, um, Yumi, here we go again, um, yeah. and Quaid. Um, so, you know, that's we got that coming up. And then yep. um, I, my other shout out, and, you know, um, this weekend we, um, laid my husband's uh, brother's ashes to rest and he yeah. was a he was a hero he was 35 when he passed away he was an army veteran um and moreover he had a brain aneurysm which made him a uh perfect candidate for yeah. organ donation and we were able to um you know confirm that all of his major organs were viable and yeah. used for transplantation and um you know i mean he saved six plus people's yeah, lives and in in and on top of that, improve the lives of, of dozens of other people. So um, I just want to encourage everybody out there that if you have signed your driver's license and you've said that you're a donor, that's great. And please do that. Um, if you have a chance, check with your local state's um, donation, donate life usually or something to that effect um, and officialize your registration um, because technically in some states dress your driver's license doesn't actually make you a donor um it says that that's your wish but if a family member disputes it there's and and i'm sure it all varies state to state but i just think it's a way to officialize it so anyways my um, platform i guess for today would be you know be an organ and tissue donor um i'm now actually a two-time um, family member of yeah. of someone who's donated. My sister passed away, and her corneas were donated. And I'm also a recipient of donor material um, because I have a spinal fusion. So yeah. it affects people more than you realize. Um, yeah. So yeah, thanks for sharing that. Mm-hmm. Thank you all again for listening. If you enjoyed the podcast, if you would be so kind to rate and review us on iTunes or wherever you are listening to this podcast. If you also like the podcast and would like to become a Patreon supporter, go to patreon.com. You can support us for as little as a dollar a month. And again, we've got that mini swag pack reward while supplies last. We'll definitely get some more rewards here as time goes on going for our Patreon supporters. Thank you all so much. Keep an eye on our Facebook feed um, for new episodes coming out over the off season. We'll have them here and there and some more videos in the works as well. The newest episode of Lupe and Becca Throw Discs is up and it's a super fun one. Have a great week. Go play some disc golf and we'll see you here next time on the Ladies of the Chains Disc Golf Podcast.